Christian life, and we've been addressing this topic, making it our ambition to please Him. We've been talking about how in the world do you please God then? If it's our ambition to please Him, if that's really what our greatest purpose in existing is, is to please the Lord, then how in the world do we please Him? And uh, we started talking about that a few weeks back, and we've kind of hit on it as we've moved along. Obviously, we've had a few interruptions here and there, and that's okay. Let me just go ahead and do a very brief summary of the reasons or the ways by which we are to please Him. If indeed we're going to please Him, some of those conditions are such. Well, first we must be born again. We have to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. You've got to do that because if you're not in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not in the Spirit. That means you're in the flesh, so you're done. You know what I mean? You can't possibly please the Lord in the flesh. So we see we must be born again. Number two, we said we must separate ourselves from all sinful and doubtful things. Well, how important is that? And so we took some time to discuss it. We even noted 2 Timothy 2, 2 chapter 4 that said, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Again, we don't, we don't entangle ourselves with the things or the affairs of this life. Because in doing so, we're going to go ahead and be distracted away from the things of God. And we want to please the Lord, so let's not get entangled with them. Otherwise, we'll have a difficult time doing so. Then we said, uh, three or, or C, we must dedicate our lives to Him. It's important that we dedicate ourselves, that we present ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we give ourselves wholeheartedly, unconditionally to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a lot... Uh, more difficult than it sounds at times, isn't it? I tell you what, we live in a world that is really uh, alluring. And boy, I'll tell you what, if we're not careful, we get distracted by this world and it's hard to stay on focus. But we have to dedicate ourselves if we truly want to please the Lord. Not only that, but we noted we must be good witnesses. Well, we've kicked off our campaign and we're excited about that. And we've seen souls being saved already. But the truth is, it's not just about going out at a specific time during the week. Being a good witness is living the kind of life and being the kind of Christian that can obviously uh, be a light in a dark world that, that reflects the, the light of Jesus Christ. And so we need to be a good witness. We want to please the Lord. We have to continually calibrate our lives and align ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. As we begin to drift away or if we begin to falter or fail, we need to get back in line with God. We need to ultimately align ourselves with Him again. We need to be good witnesses. Then we said, we need to be obedient. We need to be obedient. Boy, sometimes obedience is overlooked, isn't it? But we have to be obedient. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so we ought to do our very best to keep those commandments. We ought to try to fulfill the, the law as much as we possibly can in the sense that we're to be obedient to Christ. I mean, if we know something doesn't please the Lord, we shouldn't just go ahead and say, well, that's all right, I'll just do what I want. That shouldn't be how we respond to the truth and to the Word of God. And so we have to be obedient. And so that brings us now to the next one. And there's only two more left in this particular lesson. But again, we're dealing with this idea and this thought of, of making it our ambition to please Him. I hope that's your ambition. And I hope as we've been going through this study, you're saying to yourself, there might be a few areas that I need to tighten up, that I need to work on. I don't know about you, but I've had some uh, equipment in the past that I've utilized, whether it be in sports equipment or, or workout equipment or a bicycle or something. And as you've ridden it or as you've used it, 
different screws and different things got a little bit loose and you had to go back and tighten them up. And then I say that in our Christian lives, if we're not careful, we find ourselves in the same boat. You know, we're, we're going about life and things get a little loose here and there and we allow things to get kind of away from us and sometimes we just have to rein them in. We've got to tighten the screws. We've got to get back in alignment. And in this particular case, we're trying to ensure in our own lives that we're pleasing Him. Because that's what the Bible teaches, that that's our real purpose in, exist, in existing, is to please Him. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. That ought to be our greatest desire and our greatest longing to please the Lord. I would have to say it's not always been mine, nor is it always mine at times. I think if we're not careful, we can get kind of, you know, I got this figured out. Well, I'll tell you what, it doesn't take much, but before we know it, we might not be pleasing him like we ought to. May God help us to be very sensitive to his spirit, his leadership. Well, that brings us to another one. And there's only two more, as I said, in this particular list. And we're going to talk tonight, we're going to begin discussing this issue uh, concerning making it our ambition to please Him by saying we must have faith in God. If we're really going to please God, we must have faith in God. Faith. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll continue on. Father, bless us. We thank you for these that have gathered tonight. We do pray for those that are sick and not feeling well that can't be here today. I do pray, Lord, that you would just uh, anoint our lips. And Father, I'm just going to say it, but Lord, I do pray, Father, if there's anybody watching that could be here that's not, and they've just chosen to watch by live stream. I pray, Lord, that they would understand that the body of Christ is more important than looking on a screen. That being together, there's something about being together. And I just pray, Lord, that we would never lose sight of how important it is to fellowship one with another, to just sit beside one another, hear each other say amen, to just have the opportunity to rub shoulders with one another and worship the Lord together in this place. There's nothing that substitutes for the local church. We just pray you'd help us, Lord. And Lord, tonight, we that are gathered here, we pray that our hearts would not be distracted, that we wouldn't be thinking about something outside of church. May we focus our attention on what's taking place right now so that, Lord, we can indeed please you more. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for it. Now, bless us in our time. In Christ's name, amen. We must have faith in God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. An interesting passage. Turn there, would you please? An important passage. By the way, I, when I prayed, I meant business. I'm not joking. I really do not want to even have live stream if it's going to be so people can stay home instead of come to church. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Um, I, I get every once in a while, I think to myself, I hope everybody's really sick. I mean, should I even think that way? I don't know, but I'm hoping because I'm hoping it's not because they just thought, man, you know what? I can, I can just relax, kick back, and watch it on a screen. I'll tell you what, I am, I'll be honest with you. I'm much better looking in person. <laughs> you, you, you've got to come out and see me in person, okay? Well, with that said, I think it's time to move on. We must have faith in God. <laughs> Hebrews eleven six 6 says, But without faith, 
It is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But without faith, it is what? What is it? It's impossible to please him. Isn't that amazing? Not only do we need to be saved, but we have to exercise faith in our life. It's an amazing thing, you know. I mean, it's one thing to talk about faith. It's another thing to exercise it. I mean, everybody can say, well, I believe. I mean, we knock on doors. We talk to family and friends. We, we listen to folks around the, the, the work, uh, workplace. And people say, oh, I believe in God. I believe in God. I know, but where's their faith? How's it affecting their life? Man, it needs to affect our life. And in good and bad, it needs to affect our life. Whether we're walking straight, it better affect our life. Whether we're on the the road down this road down this way, it better affect our life. That faith better make a difference in our life or it's not really faith at all. And all I know is, is according to the passage, without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's not unlikely. It's not probably not going to happen. It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And I like this part. That he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How many of you, and don't raise your hands, but how many of you know that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Boy, isn't that true? That's a blessing, isn't it? We are told basically in chapter 11, verse 6, that we're to have confidence in God or we just simply can't please him. But you know, God, I'm so glad we can trust the Lord. You know, in, in 1 John 1, 9, The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, I'm glad we can trust him for forgiveness. Not only that, but I'm glad we can trust him for our food. I mean, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 34, verse 10, it says, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Now, you better be careful with that any good thing because what you consider good and what God does may be two different things. As a matter of fact, Kaylee was singing a song just a few moments ago that says sometimes, you know what, there's a better yes. We think we know what's best for us and we think we know what we need from God, but God says there's something better maybe. And boy, sometimes it's frustrating when we pray and we don't get the answer that we thought we should get. We don't get it the, the, the one we think we should even get. And we, we really are frustrated with God at times thinking, well, God, aren't you listening? Aren't you hearing me? But God may have a better yes. Amen. And there's so much truth to that song. I was very encouraged and blessed by it. Not only that, but we, we can thank God that we can trust him not only for forgiveness and for our food, but for our salvation. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I mean, how many times have you talked to somebody about the gospel or talked to them about eternal life and they say, I don't think anybody could know that. Let me tell you something. I can trust him with my salvation. He is big enough to ensure that I'll make it to heaven one day. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. I mean, there is none other name, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I like that. I mean, if you uh, talk to enough people about, uh, about eternity, you'll find they are somewhat confident or depending on something or someone other than Jesus. That's a dangerous place to be. Because there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
And we must be saved, by the way. Because if we're not, it's a bad deal. Not only that, but we can thank God not only that we can trust Him for our forgiveness and for, uh, for forgiveness or for food, for salvation, but just for the supply of our every need. Just in general, our every need. Boy, I tell you, thankfully that we have a God that's big enough to supply our need. We walked and used to sing a song, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. Years ago, I remember hearing that. But we do. We have a God that, honestly, I mean, if I owned half the world and I said, God, I'll give this to you if you'll just, if you'll just save me. He'd be like, are you kidding me? I own everything anyway. What you've got means nothing to me. It's nothing. I could create one billion times more than what you even see. I mean, God could just speak it into existence. And boy, I'll tell you what, if that's the kind of God that we serve, and it is indeed the kind of God we serve, then there's no, nothing too big for Him. And our supply is really minuscule in comparison. He can meet that need. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, in Morning and Evenings, he made this statement. He said, If our faith be worth anything, it will stand the test. Guilt, G-I-L-T, is the word he used. Let me explain what it is first, because it's an older term. Guilt is basically gold that's laid on the surface of something. It's like a, a thin layer of gold. He says, guilt is afraid of fire, but gold is not. Now, he's talking about pure gold. If you put pure gold in the fire, pure gold's not afraid of fire at all. It only purifies it. That guilt, though, it'll be a problem for it. But hold on. He goes on to say, he says, the paste gem dreads to be touched by the diamond, but the true jewel fears no test. It is a poor faith which can only trust God when friends are true, the body full of health, and the business profitable. But that is true faith which holds by the Lord's faithfulness when friends are gone, when the body is sick, when spirits are depressed, and the light of the Father's countenance is hidden. Did you hear that last statement? When the light of the Father's countenance is hidden. To think for a moment that you have to go through life without seeing God's face, without recognizing His beauty, to see Him in the darkness, as it talks about in the Old Testament, to realize in that moment when you still can't see God, you can believe God. You can trust God. And you can have faith in God. A faith which can say, as he goes on, in the direst trouble, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, is heaven-born faith. One day John Wesley was walking with a troubled man who expressed his doubts as to the goodness of God. And um, he said, you know, I don't know what I shall do with all this worry and trouble. At that very moment, Wesley saw a cow looking over a stone wall. He said, do you know why that cow's looking over the wall? No, said the man that was burdened with all the worry. Wesley said, well, the cow's looking over the wall because she can't see through it. That's what you must do with your wall of trouble. Look over it and avoid it. 
See, faith is what enables us to see past our circumstances. And it's what enables us to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ when it seems impossible. When faith is missing, the truth is we are most miserable in this life. And unfortunately, we are also quite unable to please God. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I wonder, do you have faith in God? I didn't say, do you always agree with how God turns things, uh, how, how he allows things to turn out? That's not what I asked. But do you have faith in God? Can you trust God with your life? Can you trust God with your feelings? Can you trust God with those around you? Boy, we need that kind of faith or really we struggle to please God. And the fact is, is that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Then we come to our final point. We start looking at this issue again of making it our ambition to please God. And what are the conditions? Well, finally, the final one is this. If we're going to please God, we must be big-hearted. Not, those aren't very tough words to, 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 to understand. We need to be big-hearted. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, please. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. We live in a very cruel society. A wicked society, yes. But I mean, I want you to think with me for a moment over there in the book of Genesis, chapter 6. When I think about Genesis chapter 6, one of the things that stands out in my mind is not just simply that we have a flood that's going to be coming, but what stands out in my mind is the condition of the earth at that point. The condition of the world, if you will. And over there in chapter 6, the Bible says this. It says, um, it says uh, verse um, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. He goes on to talk about the fact that there was, that basically, you know, there was much violence even in the earth. What is going on? This wickedness and this violence and what's wrong with us as believers today? It seems that so many times the world has gotten a hold of our hearts in this area. I mean, everywhere we turn, we are being inundated with violence. We're being inundated with anger and, and so forth. I mean, it just seems to me that this issue of being big hearted is bigger than ever. I think it's becoming easier and easier to be angry with people, upset with folks. I mean, our fuses are so much shorter today than they used to be, it seems. I don't know about you, but it just seems like everywhere I go, somebody's getting upset about something. Somebody's angry about something. And you know what? As believers, that shouldn't be us all the time. We ought to be big hearted. We ought to be considerate. And so forth. Hebrews 13, 6. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Not only should our attitude be such, but our actions ought to reflect it. 
Again, when it talks about to communicate, forget not, it's not talking about just speaking. He's saying to do good and to communicate, forget not. You're doing the right thing and your lifestyle's the right way and you're communicating and giving of yourself and sacrificing things for others. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So how quickly should we express kindness and generosity? It's difficult in the day we live because we do live in somewhat of a society where we're training people to think they deserve everything. And so then it's hard to be generous sometimes. Because you're like, if I'm not going to just give that to you. If you're not, you don't even say thank you. It's like it's expected of me. It's like we said when we were at a conference out there in, near Chicago, and I remember Brother Kavanaugh's... <laughs> And, and there was this lady, and she was asking for money, and she was saying, I need money. Somebody give me money, basically. She was being kind of rude about it. And he went up to her, and he said, ma'am, listen, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, because she walked right up to him and said that. And he said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I really do not have money right now to give you, but all I have is Jesus Christ. I'd be glad to get And she started cussing and going crazy. I didn't ask for it. I want, I want money. I want money. Let me tell you something. It's hard to be big hearted when it gets like that. You know what I mean? And I think that we live in a culture that's almost breeding, even within the context of Christians, this hard heartedness. And yet we need to be the biggest hearts of all. You think about Jesus Christ and how they treated him and you think about what he did. And in his case, he did nothing to deserve the hurt and the harm that was, come, that was, that was brought about. And yet he continued to love. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What a big heart. I suppose we could say we need to be full of love, full of sympathy and understanding We ought to be full of readiness to help people. We ought to be full of encouragement and full of unselfishness. Those are things that ought to be evident in the life of a believer. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Turn there, would you please? Romans 12, verse 9 through 13. You want to talk about something that will draw people to Christ? It's going to be our kindness, our consideration, our generosity, our big hearts. Now listen, I know people have the wrong idea about the church house. Folks somehow got the idea that if there's ever a need in your life, no matter what it is, finances or or things or whatever, you just go to the church. They're obligated. They are responsible to take care and meet your need. First of all, that's not biblical. You'll never see that in the Bible. The church isn't responsible to meet every need in the world. We're to take care of our own first. We're to try to be there for one another. But by the way, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't need. So wait, am I responsible to take care of him because he won't do what God said he's supposed to? I mean, I'm telling you, sometimes we misunderstand the word of God. Now again, I know, I know, people say, well, you ought to be big hearted. I get that. But can I tell you that sometimes we, 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 uh, Enables a good word, but I was going to actually use another one, but since the Holy Spirit spoke so loudly, when we enable when we, when we enable people sometimes, we create very bad habits in their life. We perpetuate poor behavior. Whew. 
Glad I got, I got both in. See, that's pretty good, isn't it? We got both of them in. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 9. We better let the Lord speak here. <laughs> he says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly kindness. He's talking to the church. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Rome. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. That dissimulation, let love be without dissimulation. That word dissimulation means a hiding under a false appearance. Of a feigning, false pretension, hypocrisy. I mean, hiding under a false appearance. I mean, have you ever known a love that was really false? That it was just fake? It was putting on the show. My grandma used to say all the time, you're, don't, you're putting on the dog. Now, I still don't know what that means. But what, I get the gist of it, though. We're, we're putting on a show. It's not who we really are. We're just kind of doing it. We're going through the motions. And he's saying, let love be without dissimulation. Don't let it be fake. And don't let it be phony. And don't let it be superficial. Let it be real. But notice he goes on. Paul's saying, you know, not only that, but he says, you know, here's some important practices that should be evident in a believer's life then. And, and I want you to see the last one on the list. He says, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Wow. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Now, I don't know about you, but back in those days, they were dealing with some pretty difficult times. I mean, people probably were starving at times. They were lacking just basic fundamental needs even. And boy, the church was to come alongside one another and help one another and, and, and meet the needs of one another and share with one another even given to hospitality. Again, this principle is addressed in James. Look at James chapter 2, verse 15. We don't mind um, sharing things. We don't mind giving things and, or even doing things many times for others. As long as it doesn't inconvenience us. The moment it inconveniences us, well, that's that. And I believe probably, you know, I know I'm guilty of that. Uh, some of you might even feel and say, you're right, preacher. I probably would have to admit that'd be me. Others are less like that. I mean, some people just would give the shirt off their back Every single, I mean, to anybody under any circumstance, it just comes, seems, it seems to come more natural. But let me tell you, that's no excuse why we aren't better at it. It's, but we see in the Bible here, it says in James, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily, if a brother or sister, I'm telling you, we, we got to be careful, <laughs> Sometimes we get the wrong idea. Notice, if a brother or sister be naked. Who do you think that's referring to? 
That's referring to us right here. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. If they be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. What I guess I'm saying is this. How sad would it be for us to go out and start a food bank for the world, to start a clothing facility for the world, to go out and meet every need by knocking on doors and trying to help them and reach out to them, but then we neglect one another. A brother or sister in your right beside you is hurting and in need, but we don't talk to one another enough to even know if there is a need. We don't even know our brothers and sisters. We don't even work at it. And while we're trying to meet the needs of others outside the body of Christ, the body of Christ is hurting. Boy, we got to be careful that that's not happening. But watch this. And one of you say unto them, depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled. In this case, you even know there's a need. But you just say, hey, be warmed and filled, brother. I'm praying for you. He says, notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful for the body. What doth it profit? What good is that? What good is it? But we got to be big hearted. You want to please God, you got to be big hearted. Have you ever given your last dollar away to a brother or sister that needed it? They needed something to eat that night or they've been having a rough go of it and you just thought, you know what, I'm going to do something nice for them. Me and my family was going to go out and get ice cream tonight, but I'm going to give that to that family instead. I know that sounds great, but have you ever done something like that? And I think many of you probably have. But if you haven't, why not? I mean, there are times that the brother or sisters may be having a rougher time than you. We got to be big hearted. That pleases God. What has God given to us? Everything. He sacrificed it all for us. And he says, listen, your brothers and sisters, if they're naked and destitute of daily food, if they're struggling to just make ends meet, they don't even have money to put food on the table. The little kids are going to bed and they're hungry half the time. He says, listen, maybe we need to step in. You say, well, we got government programs for all that stuff. I know. But you know what? If there's a need and it's somebody's working hard and they're striving and they're trying, then who are we to judge that? So listen, let's, let's have a big heart. I believe that this is the secret of the Christian life in action. Exhibiting a big heart. And if we want God to, you know, to, if we want to please God, then we need to find ourselves doing our best to honor others and And do that by meeting needs and demonstrating the love of Christ. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, it says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Kind one to another, tenderhearted. The constant aim of everyone who really knows the Lord should be to be well-pleasing to Him, right? And in John chapter 8, verse 29, we've already discussed it early on in the introduction, but the Bible says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Boy, Jesus Christ made it a point to please the Father, and we ought to make it a point to do so. I don't believe there's a greater, real, greater purpose in life in existing than to please the Lord. I wonder, is it your ambition to please him? Is that what you live your life for, to please the Lord?
That's what we all ought to live our lives for. To please Him. And that indeed is the secret of successful living. That's the largest, the most, I mean, to give ourselves wholeheartedly, to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our might. I mean, boy, I'll tell you what, that's important. All our soul. If only we knew him as he'd have us to. If only we understood how valuable our relationship with him was and how beneficial it is to please him. In 1799, Conrad Reed discovered a 17-pound rock while fishing in Little Meadow Creek. Not knowing what it was, what it was made of, his family used it as a doorstop for three years. In 1802, his father, John Reed, took it to a jeweler who identified it as a lump of gold worth about $3,600 at the time. 17 pounds of gold. We're talking today's numbers about $60,000. That lump of gold, which was used as a doorstop for three years in North Carolina, is one of the biggest gold nuggets ever found east of the Rockies. Do you realize that until its composition was actually determined, the value was totally unknown. There it sat as a doorstop for three years. Hey, open the door again, would you? Kick that old stone in front of it. Three years. I'm sure glad that mom didn't get upset with that old rock sitting in front of the door. Seventeen pounds. And although they had struck it rich, they still lived poor and in poverty until they finally understood the value of that thing. That's how it is with the Lord in our lives, I think. Until we truly understand how valuable He is and how valuable our relationship with Him is, we're going to forever live like spiritual paupers and we're going to be missing out on the very best that God has for us. We need to understand how valuable God is and we need to start doing our very best if not already started. If we haven't already started, we need to start pleasing Him with all our hearts and all our minds. We need to start pleasing Him with every aspect of our being. We need to do our best to please Him and we need to begin by being born again. We need to continue by by separating ourselves from all sinful and doubtful things. We do that by dedicating our lives to Him and being good witnesses and operating and functioning in obedience. And then exhibiting faith in Him and being big-hearted. Boy, God's worth it. He's so valuable. And His presence in our life cannot be underestimated. It's everything. May we do our best to please Him. And I know God will... God will certainly reward us for that. We don't do things just to get reward, but boy, let me tell you, He promises reward if we'll do it. So I tell you what, I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want to get everything God has. And I know you do too. I would at least imagine you do tonight if you're here. May God bless each of us as we do our best to please Him. Boy, He's valuable. Let's treat Him as such.
Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you mean to us, all you do for us. And Lord, we're just thankful for the word of God.